Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Friday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. On Wednesday, we learned that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven would be like a little child, not someone who puts themselves forward, strives to be a king, strives to be first, but rather someone who is a servant of all. Now, as we move into Matthew 19 and verse 16, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to gain eternal life? So this young man, I presume, has been listening to the conversation all the while. Very wealthy young man with a very sincere question. And Jesus replied, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. That is, obeying the commandments don't gain you eternal life, but rather reflect the fact that you're seeking eternal life. And the young man inquired, well, which one, which commandment? And Jesus replied, going back to the Ten Commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this young man, a very sincere young man, a very honest young man, said, all these I have kept, but what do I still lack? I've done all of these things, all my life. But I feel an empty, gaping space in my heart that nothing has been able to fill. I, I, I feel a need for God, a need for eternity with Him. I've done all these things. Now I have to say, which of you listening to me today can say, I have kept these commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Can any of us say that? You know, I remember teaching Exodus in class and coming to the Ten Commandments in chapter 20 and going through them and uh, saying, you know, can any of us say we've kept all these commandments? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and I thought, well, me, have I broken all these commandments? Well, yeah, I guess I have. But this young man had not. This is a good young man. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, looking into the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of these I have kept, but I'm still empty. And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What did this young man lack? Notice, all the commandments he followed 
were social commandments having to do with others. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, steal, give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor. All had to do with others. What he was lacking were the first commandments, those regarding God. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other God before me. Do not make graven images. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and so on. Notice, these are missing. If you want to be perfect, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. That is, whatever is standing in your way between you and God, in this rich young man's case, is possessions. Throw it overboard. Get rid of it. Now, Jesus is not saying to all of us, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and come follow me. No. But if what's standing in your way is your wealth, your stock portfolio, your sense of self-importance, get rid of it. Well, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And that was the thing holding him back. He went away. He couldn't let it go. Are there things in your life that are standing in the way between you and God and you just can't let go of them? Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. If what's blocking your way is your wealth, your possessions, your self-importance, it's going to be really hard to let go of that. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Because, you know, if we become wealthy, our self-identity is tied up in our wealth. Our possessions are really important to us. We worked hard for them. Our art collection, our collection of 1960s guitars, uh, whatever it might be, it's hard to get rid of it. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I remember being told many a time that how can a camel go through the eye of a needle? And being told that, well, there was a gate in Jerusalem that was very narrow and it's called the eye of the needle because a camel had to get way down low on its knees and get through it. Therefore, if you have these things standing in your way, get small, get humble, get down on your knees and you'll get into the kingdom of heaven. No, there was no gate in the walls of Jerusalem ever called the eye of the needle. Not ever. What Jesus is saying is it's impossible. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Can't be done. Well, when the disciples heard this, they understood it. They were astonished. Well, then, then who could be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If you genuinely 
want to enter the kingdom of heaven, if you want to enter into an intimate, loving relationship with God, and you communicate that to God, and you de desperately want it, remember the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the first step, recognizing our own internal poverty. Only God can do that, create that recognition, that reality. And Peter answered, well, we've left everything to follow you, so what will there be for us? Again, we're, we're approaching this, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven deal? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You, my 12, will be with me and reign with me. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. It takes us right back to the Beatitudes, the opening of Matthew in chapters 5 through seven. Jesus illustrates in chapter 20, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Notice it's a simile. It's not a metaphor. It's not a parable. A simile is one thing is like another. A metaphor is one thing is another. Jack is a lion. That's a metaphor. Jack is like a lion. That's a simile. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. Now, about the third hour, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He said, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Well, because no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you, you also go work in my vineyard. So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and received a denarius, a day's wages. So when those who came, when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled again. This is not fair. i, I got to talk to my union rep. <laughs> These men who, who were hired last worked for one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have worked the entire day. He answered them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So more about the kingdom of heaven here. You know, there are those, like the older son in the parable of the prodigal son, who has worked faithfully for his father all his life, and he has an honored place within the family. And then there's the younger son, the prodigal son, the one who squandered all his money, who lived a riotous life, embarrassed and ashamed his family and his father, ended up in a pig pen, His father brought him back, cleaned him up, gave him a new robe, a ring on his finger. And the older son was angry at that. I've been faithful to you my whole life. And you, and you, you treat him like you treat me? Well, that's, that's, this par that's the parable of the simile. How many people do you know who grew up in a godly family or embraced by the church, never wavered from the chorus, married, had a family, stayed married till death do they part 60-some years later, was a good person. And then you have somebody who just lived a riotous life and toward the end of their life, came to Christ. Wait a minute. Get to the kingdom of heaven. Here are the two of them. Well, what's that about? Doesn't God have the right to do that? Doesn't God have the right to bless each person? Of course he does. And that's the point. It's not the one who started out early and stayed faithful the whole time. Praise be to God about that. That's a good thing. But it doesn't denigrate God's mercy on the latecomers, on those who maybe did things they absolutely should not have done for a long time. But like the prodigal son, came home. So there you have it. So we, we looked at the kingdom of heaven here. And now, as Jesus is going up to Jerusalem, remember, all the while they're traveling south on the east side of the Jordan River, down to Jericho, where they'll cross back over, go up the old Roman road. So along the way, he took the 12 disciples aside, and he said to them, for the third time now, we're going up to Jerusalem, from 900 feet below sea level to 2,500 feet above on a 17.3-mile road, every road leading to Jerusalem goes up. You always go up to Jerusalem regardless of your direction, and you go down from Jerusalem regardless of your direction. We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and the third day he'll be raised to life. Third time, 
you think they get it by now. But the mother of Zebedee's sons, her name is Salome, and the sons are James and John, Jesus' cousins. Salome was a sister or a sister-in-law of Jesus' mother, Mary. So the mother of Zebedee's sons, Salome, Jesus' aunt, came to Jesus with her two sons, James and John, and kneeling down, asked a favor. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine, your two cousins, James and John, may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. She's asking if her two boys, Jesus' cousins, can be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And James and John said, oh yeah, we can. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Asking this is way above my pay grade. Only God the Father can make that decision. After all of this, could my two boys be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's like I've heard nothing. But when the other ten heard about this, they were indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. He said, look, you know what the rulers of the Gentiles, you know how they lord over others. And their high officials exercise authority over them. You know what a secular kingdom is like. You know what a religious kingdom is like. But it's not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. I'm the model you should follow, not social climbers. So as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, said so they've now forded over from the east side of the Jordan River to the west. Jericho is a 15-minute walk from the river. A large crowd followed. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard Jesus was going by, they said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. They shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, we want to see Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, these two blind men at Jericho are certainly emblematic of the blindness of everybody we've encountered after the Transfiguration. 
coming down off the mountain, witnessing what Peter, James, and John saw. They want to be the greatest in the kingdom. After everything they saw, they were truly blind. James and John, their mother, asking, I want my boys to be the greatest. It's not coincidental that there were two blind men at Jericho, symbolically James and John, if you will. What do you want me to do for you? We want to see. Because they have been as blind as bats up to this point. Well, Jesus restored sight to the blind men. But flashback to what we've just covered over the last two podcasts. We've encountered blind men all over the place here. But now we understand. You want to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then be a servant to all. Now on Monday, on Monday, Jesus reaches the top of the Mount of Olives through Bethphage and Bethany and is about to enter Jerusalem and the drama of Holy Week is about to begin. So I'll see you on Monday again. Thank you for being here with me. Always I look forward to it, our visit together. Please pray for me, pray for Logos Bible study, and pray for one another as I'll be praying for you. Okay, thank you guys. See you on Monday. Bye-bye now.